This episode of The Yarn is sponsored by Heinemann and their professional book, Trusting Readers, Powerful Practices for Independent Reading. Colby talked with co-authors Jennifer Scoggin and Hannah Schneewind about the book. One of the things that we discovered in our research as we were doing this book was that there's really a crisis of trust in education. Mm. One of the things we discovered was that teachers did not feel that they were trusted to make instructional decisions based on what they knew about their students. So one of our hopes for this book is that teachers can feel as if, yeah, I'm the expert in the room. I know literacy, I know the curriculum, but most importantly, I know my students and I know how best to teach my student based on that person's strengths and next steps. Independent reading is such an essential piece of the literacy puzzle. Trusting readers will show you how to make independent reading flourish in your classroom. Visit Heinemann.com to learn more and order a copy. Welcome to The Yarn, a School Library Journal production. I'm Travis Yonker. Early reader books are pretty much designed to be boring. Incredibly simple vocabulary, repetitive language, artwork meant to mimic the text, not expand on it. The results are often uninspired. So when an early reader manages to, despite all these limitations be playful, inventive, and fun to read, I'm impressed. And as an elementary school librarian, thankful. See the Cat, Three Stories About a Dog is an example of the early reader format at its best. And the 2021 Geisel Committee agreed, giving it their top award. I spoke with author David La Rochelle and illustrator Mike Winutka about how the book was made, future sequels, and what it was like to win the Geisel. Let's start with David, explaining what See the Cat is all about. Really nice to see you guys today. So I was hoping, um, David, maybe you could just, you know, explain um, what the book See the Cat is about, maybe for someone who's never read it before. Sure. Um, See the Cat is a beginning reader book. So it's a very simple story, uh, uh, simple words, short sentences, but it's actually a conversation between the book itself, who is trying to tell one story, and the character of Max the dog, who is trying to tell a different story. the words to the story and the illustrations don't match up with each other, which makes Max very, very angry. (laughs) And it's sort of a battle of wits between the two of them until they finally are able to resolve their differences and each pretty much gets what they want at the end. The book gets to tell a story and Max finally gets to take a nap at the end of the story. Uh, David, do you remember getting sort of the initial idea for the book? I don't. Um, There are some stories of mine I know exactly the moment they triggered and I knew what prompted the book. But I can't think of that for this particular book. I went back in my sketchbooks and I found the very first thing that I jotted down way back in December of Uh, 2016. But I know always in the back of the mind, I wanted to write a story where the book was one of the main characters. And I actually tried a a couple of stories that way. And I also always wanted to write a story where the text did not match up with the illustrations. 
And I wrote a dummy of a book like that as well too. And those two things must have been jumbling around in my mind. And finally they fit together for this story. And Mike, do you remember how the story first came to you? What did it look like? Um, and what, what was your reaction to it? Yeah, so I, uh, David and I are in the same critique group. Um, I don't know if you know this, Travis, but David is a very talented illustrator. And when he brings in a story, he usually works up a dummy. So these very simple sketches. And yeah, the first time he brought See the Cat um, into our writers group, I just thought it was brilliant. I, I, I thought it was so funny. And it was one of those stories that David has brought in and uh, along with uh, Moo, our first project together, where instantly I knew that I wanted to be the illustrator for this book. And, but I, like I said, David's a really talented illustrator. So I always feel silly uh, telling him that, you know, I want to illustrate <laughs> one of his stories. Uh, but with this one and with Moo and all of the stories I've illustrated with David, he's always been very enthusiastic about having me come on board and be the illustrator. So how does that work? Do you, um, do you just kind of subtly say, Hey, uh, you know, I think, <laughs> can I take a crack at this one or how does that go? Yeah. After our meetings, um, David and I usually go to our cars and talk about the meeting and talk about things that happy, um, happened in the meeting. And I just, yeah, I sheepishly will say, David, you know, um, I don't know what you're thinking about these for these illustrations, um, but you know, I would love to. <laughs> I don't, David. Uh, do you want to chime in here and see what you, your reaction? Um, well, I remember specifically what happened with this book. Uh, that afterwards we were standing around outside the library, and you said, "David, I'd really like to illustrate that book," and I thought. That's exactly what I wanted Mike to say. I was so hoping that he would be enthusiastic about illustrating it um, because I knew without a doubt that Mike would do a much better job than I could of illustrating this book. And See the Cat is actually the third book that we've done together. We had, had done Moo and we did a book called This Is Not a Cat. And I knew Mike would be perfect, but um, I always had the feeling, I don't wanna force one of my stories on Mike. <laughs> because he might not be interested and I don't want to put him on the spot. And we're very good friends. Mike's one of my best friends and I don't want to make him feel uncomfortable like I'm asking him to illustrate the story. So when he said he was interested, I thought, yes. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, yeah, this little dance so, with you. <laughs> uh, David, you said that you went back in your, in your um, sketchbook and you found sort of the first version that you made of this story. How was that different from the final version? Did it change much? Did it evolve? Or was it kind of the same from, from when you initially conceived of it? And that was very fun. Right before this interview, Travis, I went and dug out the, the little dummy that I had uh, brought to the writing group here. And I, I read through it because I was curious exactly about that, about how much it had changed. Um, and I know your listeners can't tell, but you can, Mike, Travis can see what a simple basic dog that I draw and how that lacks the personality of what Mike does with his illustrations. But when I read the story, it, 
Uh, the two things I guess I noticed that were significantly different. Um, it's a little bit longer and our editor, our wonderful editor, editor Andrea Tompa at Candlewick uh, got us to tighten it a little bit and all those uh, pages we took out, probably four or five pages really made it stronger. The only other thing that I noticed that was significantly different was that in the first version, the animal that comes in at the end was a big ape I had written in there. And in this one, it's uh, a hippo. And someone in one of my other critique groups mentioned that uh, a big ape might be, uh, might be construed as a, as a ne negative racial identity, which was something that I hadn't thought of at all. I was so grateful that someone in my critique group mentioned that. So I tried to think what could be another big animal that a young reader could sound out the word for. I didn't want to do elephant, but hippo, I thought would be nice and short and they could sound that out. So that's the reason I chose that animal instead. Um, so Mike, when you get a, a, a text that you're going to illustrate, how do you approach it? Like, where do you begin? What does that look like? Yeah, well, with David, it's a little different because he's giving me that book dummy. So I get a nice head start because he has those simple sketches and he's worked out that narr narrative. Um, normally with all of my other books, I just get the, the manuscript, just the words on the page, and then I am going and developing the characters. Um, and that's the same with David in that sense where, you know, David had this very simple dog and I kind of, you know, I wanted to make it my own dog and make it more expressive and emotional. So I'll, I'll just start, I'll show you, Travis. I know it's not, the people won't be able to see this, but I just start sketching. Here's Max and, you know, I, I just, first thing I do, whether I'm writing my own stories or illustrating someone else's stories, it's always about starting with that character and uh, figuring out what the character is going to look like. Uh, so just lots of sketching. Yeah. And then how does the, how does your collaboration work in general? Like, are you very, um, do you stay kind of separate with the, your parts of the book? Are you talking a lot? How does that, how does that look? Um, David, you want to maybe talk about that? Yeah, and then, uh, I don't know. If, I think maybe you'd agree, Mike. Uh, I'll speak for you even if you won't agree. Uh, it seems like our process has changed some from our very first book. Our first book, Moo, even though we sent it as a package deal to the editor, once they agreed to publish it, they said, Mike, when you're working on your drawings, we don't want you to talk to David about this at all, even though we were in the same critique group. Mike had to send his sketches to the publishing company, and then they would send the sketches back to me, and then I could talk to my editor, and they would mention that to the art director, and they would get back to Mike. So they were that strongly wanting us to have nothing to do with each other, which we kind of adhered by those rules. <laughs> but by the time we worked on See the Cat, we were talking a little bit more with each other. Uh, again, because Mike is in my critique group, he sees my dummy and he makes comments on the story. And he has such a good sense of storyline. And Mike is a very good writer. He's written some of his own books. And I trust his intuition, his gut feeling about stories. So I will, both in our critique group, I listen very carefully to what he has to say. But even outside of my critique group, I will run 
uh, changes I'm making past him because I want to hear what he has to say about it. Uh, so once I've got the dummy ready to send to the editor, I'll do that. And I know with see the cat, Mike sent a sheet of sketches of Max the dog. And then once you started working on the art, Mike, with see the cat, what happened then? I don't think we had a lot of back and forth once you were doing your artwork. Yeah, once I signed on to the project um, and started sketching, yeah, David and I didn't have a lot of contact at that part, at that time. I just worked with the art director, Lauren Petapiece at Candlewick and worked up my own version of the story with my sketches. Um, and yeah, and there were some small changes like the first uh, dummy David had a horse um, baby cakes was riding in a horse and I suggested suggested a unicorn <laughs> um, just little things like that um, and all of those sketches I didn't show to David first I showed to my art director and then the art director passed them on to David and he made his comments and then they brought all the comments together and gave to me um, so so in that sense once I start on the, on the project David and I are are not collaborating quite as much. I guess the only exception I can think of that with, uh, well, I guess it's the next book that's coming out, How to Apologize. You and I talked back and forth quite a bit on the cover sketches. I think we brainstormed on that quite a yeah, bit. That's true. Uh, yeah. But we write most of the artwork once you start doing that. I just, I just, I just wait to see the beautiful pictures, Mike. <laughs> David, what do you think is maybe the most challenging part about writing an early reader? Hmm. Um, I like to think about writing an early reader like a, a puzzle, and that's, that's a fun thing for me to do. It's a challenge trying to tell a story using simple language and simple sentences. And looking at it that way is, is a lot of fun. Uh, I'm very, I like puzzles a lot and viewing it in that lens makes it easier. Writing longer pieces of work is much more challenging to me and it feels too complicated and I don't feel like I have a sophisticated enough brain to, to write something really in depth. But trying to tell something funny and interesting in just a few words, I like that. And that is so key for a beginning reader. It has got to be a good story, especially a good story for those kids just starting to read because if it's not a good story, they're not gonna to wanna to keep trying to sound out those words. Was the vocabulary, um, is that ever tricky for you? Are you, do you, do you um, or does your brain just kind of go right to that? You know, uh, I've, talk, I've talked to other people who have made early readers and you know, the vocabulary part of it was real tricky for them. You're, Travis, you're talking to a man with a very simple mind. So it's easy for me to think in short, easy words like that. Uh, I wasn't using uh, lists of, oh, I should know the term for that, um, graded lists of, of words for you know, the specific levels. I was just trying to think of short words. Uh, and you can almost always substitute a short word. I had to squeeze in the word embarrassed in there, and I tried really hard to get around that somehow, but I thought with the illustration, I could sneak that by and kids could still sound it out. 
Um, so Mike, how does illustrating an early reader, how is that different for you from a picture book? Yeah, it, um, for this book, I definitely felt like I wanted to simplify the illustrations, uh, keep the white background, not have a lot of clutter there to, you know, distract from the words on the page. And that was really challenging because my tendency is to put more of a background in the illustrations. So I just kept telling myself and, you know, say less is more here, let the character really pop off the page and let the word pop off the page. Um, so I just kept um, pushing away all those ideas of adding anything else in the background. And I just wanted to keep that white space. Um, so it would just be an uncluttered page. And that's definitely much more different than any other book I've illustrated. Um, Moo would probably be the closest but even there, there was a colored background on every page, um, but it was definitely a simple background, but this was definitely the most simple uh, of any of my books. And I de definitely thought with an early reader, I thought that was an, uh, a, a necessary thing to have. Yeah. Um, the design did such a nice job with, uh, with that simplification as well too. And they did a, a nice, um, idea of making one page blank and the other page having a soft background on it to really get the sense of two different characters going there. So not only do we have an amazing editor at Candlewick, just the design team, which Mike works with all the time. He yeah. just talks about how happy he is working with them. Yeah, Lauren, uh, the, the designer came up with that idea of having it be like a off-white cream color on Max's side and just a white for the book narrator. And I, yeah, I thought that was really a nice subtle change, um, but still kept it very simple and clear. Yeah. Um, and so David, there's gonna be a sequel. Can you talk about that? Yeah, actually there's going to be two other books after it. And as Mike knows, I really, really dislike sequels to books in general because I, there are so many books that I really loved the first idea, but then the sequel feels like it's sort of the same story again. And I'm always disappointed when that happens. And I didn't want to do that myself. So I was very hesitant to write a sequel. And Mike said, oh, David, you should really consider doing a sequel. He said, I think Candlewick is going to ask you to do a sequel. And then the week later, Candlewick asked if I'd be interested in doing a sequel. And I was still balking at it. And Mike said, you know, David, I've even got the title for the sequel. The title should be See the Dog, Three Stories About a Cat. <laughs> and the moment he said that, I came up with a brand new approach to the story that would be different. So that's a case where I know exactly when that story idea came to me. Um, and in See the Dog, Three Stories About a Cat, it's Baby Cakes, who is the star of the book, who is the, the cat that you see briefly in the first book. And because she has such a strong personality, especially the way Mike drew her, I could easily imagine how she would approach the book in a very different way. So to me, it felt like it was different enough. And I worked, the only way I wanted to do it was if it didn't feel like the same type of story. And I hope, I hope I was able to do that. Yeah. 
Um, and then there's then there's going to be a, a third. There's this is a trilogy. You're saying it is. Yes. <laughs> okay. I would say there's not going to be another one after that. But I would have never said there had been two. So I know better than to say anything at all. And the third one, which Mike is working on the sketches for now, is see the ghost. Three stories about things you cannot see. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's uh. That seems like a, a really cool, uh, it's like in the same world, but it seems like a really cool variation on that theme, sort of. Oh, hopefully, yeah. hopefully it will be. So my fingers are yeah, crossed. Yeah. Um, so could you guys, um, maybe Mike, you could say first, I, could you just walk me through um, learning about winning the Geisel Award? What, what was that like? You know, what did, are you like pretty aware of the award or when it was going to be announced or anything like that? Like, what, what, what was that like? Yeah. So I was definitely, you know, every year I watched the ALA award. So it was definitely, it's always on my mind, but it's, 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 uh, it's always been a dream that was way too lofty to ever really think it was going to happen. And I always had heard the stories of the, the awards being um, that you would get a call on Monday morning. So that was in the back of my mind because of the starred reviews that See the Cat was getting. I thought, well, maybe there'd be a, a chance. Um, and then our editor at Candlewick set up a, a Zoom meeting at ALA or on Sunday night at ALA um, to ask, a, it was kind of a last minute um, panel discussion that they wanted David and I to be a part of. And David and I said yes to that. And I had the impression that if we were to win anything, it'd be on Monday morning still, we'd get that call. So it never crossed my mind that this Zoom meeting had anything to do with the Geisel. Um, and then David, you wanna take it from there or? Well, I, I, I had heard that the Geisel winners were given that phone call on Sunday. So that's what I was thinking in my mind. And when we got that email from our editor, that there was a last minute Zoom meeting on Sunday, I thought, could that possibly have something to do with the Geisel Award? And so I, my mind started racing that way. Mm -hmm. And I talked with Mike on Saturday and he didn't bring this up at all. It was clear he wasn't thinking along those lines. So I thought I am just setting myself up for the biggest disappointment in the world. And I told my, my best friend Gary about it. I said, oh, I was hoping this, but oh, you know, it's, it might not happen. It's, it might not happen. So on Sunday, we go to this Zoom meeting. And as soon as we click into it, there's eight people there staring at us. And the head of the Geisel committee says, she introduces herself as the head. And she said, we, we have some good news for you. Uh, and she told us we were the winner. And, and I started crying. I did. I I, it was a huge, huge deal. Yeah, I did too. It was, yeah, it was really emotional. Um, and it was especially emotional because David was right there. I could see him and to experience that moment together was really, really special. Um, yeah, we were both just overwhelmed and we um, both started blubbering. <laughs> <laughs> And that has been one of the nicest things just about working with Mike 
that as you know, usually doesn't happen. The author and the illustrator are not close. And as I said, Mike and I are very good friends. Mike's one of my best friends. And to be able to share in creating a book, we share all the frustrating parts of books that we've done. But when good things happen, to be able to share with one of your best friends, it makes the good things just twice as happy. And that was the case with this. Yeah. Have you have you had a chance to like cheers a beer together or something? We keep saying that we have all these lunches that we need to go out to once we can get into restaurants again more to do that. Uh, so we're making a whole list of things to celebrate with this book. Yeah. The one thing we did have is we have we have, we have a lot of really wonderful friends, but we have an amazing. A uh, librarian friend, Kim Farrow, and uh, another friend who works in the business, Amy Bauman, or Amy Baum, and we had a get together in her garage, a, a distance uh, get together there, and we had lunch and cookies and cupcakes, and we celebrated that way. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of partying to do at the end of this year, hopefully, Travis. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's it's nice that these things are building up. And yeah, the Geisel was definitely the highlight of my career. And it was just an amazing, amazing moment. Thank you, David La Rochelle and Mike Winutka for the interview. Thank you, Rachel Johnstone, for making it happen. Thank you, Heinemann, for sponsoring this episode. Thank you, Philip Stead, for creating our theme music. Have an idea for the show? You can contact us via email at theyarnpodcast at gmail.com and visit us online at the School Library Journal website. I'm Travis Yonker. Thanks for listening. <laughs>